Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route to the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is the same thing we do every day. We discuss the issues between rural and urban America. And every single day we get one step closer to solving all of those issues. You know, you can complain about social media, and I do plenty of that as well. I, you know, We complain about things all of the time. But it is what you make of it, and there is one tremendous opportunity that we could never have without social media, and that is people from every walk of life have the opportunity to meet and mingle and discuss ideas and issues and watch how other individuals work so hard at at bringing people together. Well, on LinkedIn, I don't know how many of you are, are, are on LinkedIn, but Hiram Figueroa does a fantastic job bringing us the individuals that are often overlooked. I like to bring to the forefront the veterans as often as possible, but somebody that swamps me just absolutely does an amazing job as Hiram Figueroa. And we're not from social media. I wouldn't know you. Welcome, Hiram, and I appreciate you joining us on this Red Shirt Friday, at least in the first half of the program. As you can tell right here wearing the red shirt to say we Americans in agriculture we support the troops, and I have found a man that makes me pretty humble in saying we support the troops. Hiram Figueroa, Junior. Do you want me to go with Junior? You can go whatever you want, man. It's your show. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a guest, man. Uh, you I, I are my, but you are my featured guest because, number one, you're a veteran, and Thank you me. go to extraordinary lengths to find veterans and stories about veterans and make sure that people never forget and they appreciate the sacrifice that so many have made. First of all, tell us about your service in the United States military. You know, I'm just a kid from Brooklyn, New York, joined the Marine Corps in, in 1977, got out in 92, did a couple of crazy things in the Marine Corps, uh, you know, highlight is uh, support the uh, from a support capacity, the special operations when I was a, you know, a boot a PFC, Lance Corporal, Korean Corporal, then, uh, you know, been a platoon sergeant, then a drill instructor for three, three and a half years. But uh, that's about it, man. I, I worked for the private sector, the for-profit. Uh, I can honestly tell you back then when we didn't have social media, it was a challenge as far as transition is concerned. Learning how to reinvent yourself from going from Staff Sergeant Figueroa to Mr. Figueroa, it's a hard pill to swallow. In society, people don't really understand that uh, thank you for your service is cool, but uh, that's not what it's happening right now. So I was mentored by uh, quite a few elder veterans, combat veterans, Vietnam veterans who are in their 70s and 80s, late 70s and 80s. And uh, they taught me quite a bit about team building and uh, building brotherhood. So I asked them what I can do, and I said pay forward, and I've been doing it ever since. So I'm an advocate for veterans' rights and veterans, and you want to be able to help uh, veteran community, go start families, to understand that they're not alone, and uh, put it in the face that you know freedom is not free. Uh, what you, all these little things that we have, these um, you know computers, the ability to speak virtually and conversate, we're uh, all paid by a price for blood, sweat, and tears and lives of. Uh, Veterans that never came back. So that's what I'm all about. So, Hiram, 
I've been a part of, and we've been kind of on a sabbatical as so many things in group scenarios have for the past two years, thanks to the regiment of the United States military, more importantly, the commander in chief at this moment. But that's aside from the point. The All-American Beef Battalion was formed by a veteran, Vietnam veteran, Bill Brody, who we lost one year ago this month. He was a Marine. And he was uh, the toughest Marine, the toughest man I ever met in my life. He was incredible. But he wanted to make sure that kids coming home today were not treated the same way that the Vietnam veterans were treated. And so he put together the All-American Beef Battalion. And in a short 12-year period of time, we fed just short of 500,000 individuals a one-pound ribeye, cheesy potatoes, a dinner roll, dessert. Oh, and corn. I left corn out. And the reason I walked through all of that is because I've been at Camp Pendleton. I've been at Fort Carson multiple times. I've been at Fort Bliss. I've been at uh, Fort Hood. We've been to all of these bases. And the toughest thing for me was that I, I never served. But I wear this shirt every Friday to make sure the men and women who do serve and who have served and are serving understand that I appreciate the sacrifice by the entire family, not just by the individual that's serving and the right. toughest thing for me to handle, Hiram, is, is you'd be in a food line and you'd be thanking 5,000 men and women, whether it be the Army, the Air Force, Navy, Marines, doesn't matter. And it's like they don't know how to accept the, the gratitude. And it's like, no, thank you. And it's just there's just such an ingrained love of country that the fact that we thank them for making a sacrifice almost seems like above and beyond what we should be doing. And, and I want to get beyond all of that and just everybody say, you know, we wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for these men and women that for 247 years have said, me, I want to be one of those individuals that protects the freedom of future generations. I know that. And, you know, you make a valid point, but here's the problem. The problem is that we're so self-absorbed in our own state of the union. If you remembered, uh, yesterday was the uh, first year anniversary of the insurrection, right? Who would have thought that people, our own people, would attack the Capitol, right? So what does that tell you? It tells you that we've had too much time and too much freedom to have self-entitlement. But, you know, we're lucky we haven't been invaded. The only time we've been invaded was Pearl Harbor, right? And right. 9 9-11. So go back 20-something years. Everybody was patriotic. They put the differences aside. We've been so consumed with stupidity, and we're following some socialistic authoritarian processes, especially with this virus. We've been divided. This is the left side. This is the right side. This isn't a left or right, man. This is the United States. I'm a, you know, I'm Latin, right? So as you know, there's multitudes of people with different walks of life that have come to this country or they've been born to this country, but they're all Americans. Do you ever uh, pay attention to how anybody outside of the United States despises us because we have so much and we're so ungrateful? You know, I have. I've been fortunate to speak to audiences on four continents, Hiram. And one thing that I have found, no matter what country I was in, there was an envy, actually, at the patriotism and particularly the the loyalty that the flag of the United States of America generates. So I've experienced that firsthand. I, I've experienced, too, and, and uh, where uh, we suck as a government taking care of our own people. 
Mm-hmm. Can you imagine there's other governments that take care of their own population? If hey, you don't work, we give you free uh, health insurance, health care, and everything. But there's a price to pay, right? We, on the other hand, have everything in our fingertips, everything. But we don't take care of our people. We don't reinvest in our economy. We, we more or less, as you've been following the news, right, supply chain solutions, everything is coming abroad. China is making billions off of us, but we're at the mercy because we're exporting. We're not investing in the country. To your point, right, people say they're proud to be an American, especially 4th of July, Memorial Day or uh, Veterans Day. But aside from that, they're not really living it and breathing it to the point where they're giving back to society. I say a good 25% does out of 100%. That's very low if that. But uh, to your point, that's the way I see it. So as an American citizen, as a professional, as a veteran, it's my obligation to be a public servant. And it doesn't cost anything for me to be a public servant, but uh, to leave a legacy and to make a voice and say more voice of reasoning that uh, everybody's so consumed with their issues and we all have issues, but um, let's start from the basics. There's parents that are ghost star families that will never see their uh, sons and daughters again, fathers and sons, things of that. How do you equate to that? Oh, thank you for your service. That's like a slap in the face, wouldn't you think? That's That's the way I look at it. Well, clearly, as you well know, there is no way I'd thought about it that way, but that is exactly why Hiram Figueroa Jr. is on this Red Shirt Friday, joining us from sunny Arizona. Yeah, we've been pretty warm ourselves. We'll take a break. We're going to come back and continue this conversation with Hiram Figueroa on a Red Shirt Friday after this. Hey, I just want to remind you that Lone Creek Cattle Company provides the opportunity to be a part of a brand of beef program. It's called Certified Piedmontese. We are proud members of that particular supply chain. And unrelated to Certified Piedmontese directly, but indirectly, I'll be at uh, Denver at the Piedmontese Cattle Show on Monday, the 17th, and Tuesday. So maybe we'll be seeing you at the National Western in the Piedmontese Circles. Um, yeah, that'll be, I actually missed the National Western last year, so it'll be anxious to get back and see the new pin layout. The genetics are all about Piedmontese, but Lone Creek has mastered them into a tremendous program with calving ease, tremendous performance and growth and profit. Get paid properly for the quality of beef that you produce. It's called LoneCreekCattleCo.com, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Find out how to be a part of a supplier for certified Piedmontese. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Roll routes on a red shirt Friday, continuing. Hiram Figueroa joining us here today, putting it into context like never before, to be quite honest. And there's something else that I knew. I mean, I do these interviews every day, have done interviews for 22 years, talking to people. And I could just tell at the beginning of the conversation, which started via text, not voice communication with Hiram Figueroa, that I was going to have to be diligent and on my game and a matter of the clock. And now I understand I'm talking to Staff Sergeant Drill Drill Sergeant Hiram Figueroa. Now I know why I've got all of this regimented thought process going on in my head and my gut, Hiram. Look, man, I apologize. Normally we can go an hour, but I have a conference call, so that's uh 
That's no apologize. No apology necessary. I'm just telling you, I need a little more in you in my life. And particular, don't be talking to my wife or she'll have me regimented more than I ever thought that was possible. Okay, so back to the issue at hand. Um, you do put into context very perfectly how trivial it, it seems for those of us that are sitting at home in our easy chair drinking a beer acting like we appreciate the men and women who are risking it all living in the desert or wherever they may be serving. And their families don't even know. I have a personal friend that this week, their son on the day before Christmas was deployed somewhere in the world. They're not privileged to know where he was deployed to. And I can't imagine a family making this sacrifice. What is the proper degree of appreciation and respect that we show those individuals, these families? Look, you know, when when you have individuals that are being deployed, they can't, don't ask, don't tell. It's more or less for the safety of themselves and the safety of the, of the family. Think about it at the Vietnam War, World War II, right? Oh, you get a letter or a telegram. Uh, stop. This is what's going on. Today we got social media. So everybody's been pretty much, anybody can go in and find out what's going on. You know, there's a lot of fake profiles. People disseminate information. It's important that since 9-11, we take the security risks seriously because there's a lot of crazy people out there. There's a lot of fanaticals that really despise us. As um, you and I, I'm in my home working from home. Uh, the 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 uh, beauty of working at home is the price of freedom, right? Price mm-hmm. of freedom. I mean, other countries don't even have that. I, I'm not a man of a lot of um, wealth, but I have a lot of wealth in heart. And I just want to be able to share that with a lot of people to understand that wisdom brings uh, a lot of experience of pain. And when people have a lot of pain, they've been able to overcome it, brings wisdom and you can't take that away, especially in your lifetime, because uh, we're on borrowed time here on society. And if you notice with uh, all these Omicron virus and all these type of viruses, people are just going left and right unexpectedly. So, you know, I got to make do with what I have. And I want to be able to leave a legacy that I want to go and see the man upstairs as I'm still a sinner. But uh, that's my whole process. So for you and I, to be able to share the word, the word, not only from a veteran's perspective, but for somebody who's an advocate for veterans and giving to the veteran community, it's imperative to understand that we are all in this together. And what's dividing us is the financial and the social, social uh, class of ideologies that are brought through not only our government, but within our society. We're starting to eat our own instead of taking care of our own. And I see us going down the bad rabbit hole. So that's why I wanted to share with you on that. Hiram, if I was to stand here and you were to ask me in, in 22 years of, of broadcasting, being involved in media, what are the most memorable conversations that I've had? And I would tell you about veterans, World War II veterans, Vietnam veterans, from every era, from Carl Stevenson in Red Rock, Arizona, to Bill Williams in Cottonwood, California. Uh, 
And every one of those is because they were intimate with me in a story that maybe they had never shared before. Bill Williams told me something that he'd never shared before about his B-17 bomber runs, World War II, 70, or 50 missions in 72 days, never had been done before. And he teared up and, and just basically lost his composure. There are so many stories like that, and you have the ability through social media to bring those stories to the forefront without an actual interview, but just kind of showing a glimpse into this person's life. I want to find every one of those individuals that have that story that they haven't told, that they want to tell, or maybe don't think they want to tell, but the rest of the world needs to hear about. But at the same time, you know better than I how tough it is to actually get those from the individuals, because in most cases... They just don't want to relive where they were, what they did. What's your suggestion on that? You know, it's a very touchy situation because some of them don't want to have the triggers of reliving that bad life experience. So for me, I think that I've been able to, a couple of things, build a relationship mm-hmm. and, and uh, understand that we can, and I ask them with their permission, that uh, is it possible I can do this? And they say, yeah. So here's a good good example. Tomorrow I'm doing a live broadcast on Major James Capers, first black African field grade officer to be commissioned in the battlefield of Vietnam. This guy was an original raider from World War II, and it was, he's a legend as well. So has been able to withstand racism and everything. So he's a legend in the special operations community. It's his first time ever. He's in his 80s. He's going to be doing a social media interview with me. So the reason why I'm doing this is because people kind of forget, kind of because it's a choice. We, we choose what we want to remember or not. But uh, we forget the sacrifices and the untold stories. So this particular story is going to be outstanding. The following week, I'm going to be talking to Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, the one that got kicked out of the Marine Corps for expressing his concerns of the debacle in Afghanistan. So to your point, right, there's a there's a price to pay because these Marines, you know, veterans, combat veterans, they're going to go to society, but the military dictates their exit plan. And, you know, there's benefits. There's a lot of things. There's legacy and there's your name. You got to be able to clear it up. So what I do is reach out to people like yourself. So, you know, put it out there to have a connection to real life stories, because it's not scripted of anything else coming from the heart. And thank God for social media and LinkedIn live to be able to put that in a digital concept that people can look it over and share it. So that's where I'm at with that. We just have a couple of minutes left. One thing that you said earlier that I want to touch on here, because it's something that we can all be a part of in today's world, in the real world. You mentioned the struggle in the transition from military life to uh, civilian life, whether that be from business. In many cases, we know that from a family standpoint, it's a struggle. What do you suggest we do to assist in that transition? I think you got to be able to pay it forward. Don't just say thank you for your service. If you see a veteran that's struggling and understand and have some empathy that, that they're having some challenges within themselves, identity challenges, they're having financial crisis, uh, career crisis, 
give them some type of fellowships. Uh, here's another example. Uh, I'm supporting three special operation uh, Marines from the, you know, special uh, critical operations community, MOSOC. And they're going to get a general court martial here because they've been tainted with war crimes for something that is not pertain to war crimes. So, you know, as anybody else, you got to be your own advocate. You got to be able to reach out to them. That could be a scenario. Somebody that's homeless, nine times out of 10, you have homeless people that can play the veteran card until you vet them out. You know, that's how they drug addiction. But for other parents or people like that, you know, they're a veteran. You can see they're a veteran. Hey, just be kind to them, man. It doesn't cost you anything to be nice. I think I'm reminded of my mom, my mom who continues to tell me, Trent, you can tell people whatever you want, but your actions actually show them what you really think. And what my takeaway from this conversation here today on a Red Shirt Friday, the 1st of 2022 with Hiram Figueroa, is that we cannot just continue to tell the veterans how much we appreciate them. The question is, what are you going to do to show them how much you appreciate them? Hiram, mm-hmm. thank you for the time. And if you got a, a profound bit of wisdom to part with, that would be a great way to take us out today. You know, as we go into 2022, the year of the tiger at the Chinese New Year, it's, a, it's you know, we're living at the end of times. Uh, nobody is immune to a hard stop of a, of a lifelong legacy. Make do with what you have. Give what you believe in. And uh, make a statement. Leave a legacy. You know, uh, if you want people to remember you for something, remember your cause. Have a purpose. That's all I got to say. Yeah, certainly a great find. Thanks to social media. Hiram Figueroa Jr., I can't say thank you enough. I want to also say thank you to Protect the Harvest, continuing to make information available to individuals who care about proper property rights and the American experience and appreciation for the veterans. Details at protectharvest.com. We'll be back with the second half of Roll Route after this. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Luce, continuing on with this Red Shirt Friday Roll Route edition. You know, it's been a month already since the fires in central Kansas wiped out 400,000 acres. There are a tremendous number of videos that I produced. You can find those if you just search Trent on the Loose. But I thought it was time we go back and revisit some of the folks that one month later has the shock worn off? Let's find out. We've got Craig and Jolene Larson joining us once again from Russell County, Kansas. Jolene, you are a record-setting individual. Oh, okay, Craig, you too. I'm going to include you too. Come along and play with us, Craig. But Craig and Jolene Larson joining us again within 30 days of being on this broadcast. And then Trent on the loose, you're like the first repeat guest. Congratulations. Yeah. Always want to be number one. <laughs> I, it's like Craig said, I'm just glad you'd be here to, to be number one, to be number 10, to be number 100. We don't care. Uh, what has it been? Three weeks since we were together in paradise? Yes, sir. How's it going? Mm, good. Slow. That uh, weather's kind of, it got cold, so it really slowed things down. Uh, yeah. The snow helped. I just wish you'd stay covered. All that black comes out and it kind of makes your spirits go down in a hurry. <laughs> snow covered looks good. No. 
Yeah, I never thought about that. Plus, you know, the extra moisture. We always need that. Um, we continue to see reports of people. I, I continue to get people every week, guys, to ask me, what can I do? And the reason that we all decided when we were sitting there together in the church that we needed to do this again in about 30 days. And I thought, you know, we just need to revisit because it's easy for people to get excited, want to be a part of the solution immediately. Uh, Justin Coase just told us that he did a great job in saying, you know, the work is going to continue on. This is really not even started yet. Everybody wants to fix something last week. What's your words of advice to people that are somewhere saying, hey, I want to help. I want to come and be a part of this solution. or I want to send something. What are you telling people? Basically, wait till it warms up. Uh, I mean, the people who've got cattle to take care of, they already started tearing their and redoing, but it's not fun building fence when it's just cold. Uh, yeah. So that's that's an issue. I haven't started anything yet. I, I think the bigger thing, Craig, is what's the morale like? in town and in and, and the four county area. We, I get, I did get a little bit of chastised for uh, only focusing on paradise. And we recognize that there were four counties affected. That's where I ended up that day, but what's the morale like in the general area? Oh, it seemed to be pretty, pretty well. Uh, you still got a little depression with this. I mean, it's, it's still, you go through days where it's just sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you go, it's looking you right in the face that, man, I got to redo this again. Uh, not because I built it wrong the first time, because it got tore down. Uh, there's a difference. It's one thing to tear something down because you want to make it better. Well, now you got to look on the upbeat side and goes, well, now I get a chance to do it better. <laughs> you know, make my braces wider, make them a little bigger this time, <laughs> put gates where I want to put them. <laughs> yeah. It is a little, it is a little frustrating. Because the governor was here, the ag secretary I think that's what he was, was here, you know, um, no offense to those individuals, but there's a lot of lip service. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of help that's coming in. Um, you know, there's been tons of uh, hay deliveries. There's been people that have come and helped to rip out fence and everything. But once again... It's pretty early. This wound is, we don't really know how bad this wound is yet. People need to uh, evaluate their herds, uh, their income sources. It's, there's, and I, the lip service from the government is probably the most frustrating. We're a very small piece of this puzzle. We lost some livestock. We didn't lose our livelihood like a lot of people. And there's all these I's that have to be dotted and T's that have to be crossed and well, send this into us and then we're going to get you some help. And it's not really, it's, it's not really happening. Yeah. There's so many things there that I want to dive into. Let's go first, um, which I think is most important to you all are sitting in your home. You have friends, you have neighbors that are trying to figure out what they're going to do for a home. Uh, that's a bit different than assessing the herd and de- determining how to build the fence better as well, right? Exactly. How are those families getting along? Well, it's a daily struggle for them. I mean, they get upbeat. Like yesterday, we had a big, big caravan of hay delivered to the locals, which was great. I mean, because they're going to need it not so much right now as they're going to need it in the spring when they get cattle back 
they've mm-hmm. got them shipped off. You know, the ones that are lucky have got a place to go with them to calve out. That really helped them. Uh, those of them that lost their calf crop, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they're still scratching their heads and then wondering about the insurance companies on their build back, uh, not going to cover what it's actually going to cost to build their home back. Uh, Our closest neighbors, I do know, and like you said, this is a four-county fire, but obviously we're really close with the people that are in our um, in our circle, if you will, our closest neighbors. And I do know that everyone is now in a home that is either a rented home or a home that was uh, said, hey, this is a hunting cabin, use this, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So no one is out on the street. No one's living in a hotel. They can actually be close to their properties. and. Like you said, we're uh, four days from being a month ago. And I know, uh, you know, there were some people that were in a home within a week. I know in the last 10 days, our neighbors to the south and east got into uh, into a hunting cabin. And our neighbors to the north and to the to the west actually have a rental property uh, that they got up in Natoma. But they're not on their property, but they're at least they have some place to be based out of. Um, and that's, you know, almost a month out. What's your assessment of um, the community support and how community, whether it be in Kansas, Nebraska, or North Carolina, have rallied around people in a time of need? Outstanding. It's, a lot of people. It's incredible. Out. It is incredible. The, uh, that's the hard part of that is you get so much given to you and you're not used to taking and accepting help or gifts, mm-hmm. gotta relearn uh, that deal. It's mentally hard when you're the hey, we're gonna go over and help those people. When you're the helpers, and lots of agriculture uh, neighbors that we have are, we're all the same way. We're the ones that are gonna help. We're gonna pitch in. We're gonna do what needs to be done. Then when you're the one, it it's hard. It's it's emotional, and it is hard on you to. It's it's not that you're weak, but you kind of feel that a little bit like somebody else has to come help me. Well, I should be able to do this on my own. Well, wait a minute. This is a national disaster. This is a mother nature was mad that day and and took a lot of things from us. So we might need a little help. And it's hard for people to swallow that pill. So I got the same story with individuals who lost cows at the Atlas Blizzard. In South Dakota, I got the same story from folks and the people that are helping you right now from Nebraska are a lot of those individuals that had somebody helping them in the flood of 2019 right in my back door. I got the same story in Ashland, Kansas with the Clark County fire is that, well, you know, Ralph down there, he need, he he had worse situation than I did. He needs more help than I do. And that's because we are really good at giving and Jolene, you, you summarized it extremely well. It's just hard to be on the accepting end that you can need help and that somebody's going to be there because somebody's got to be worse off than I am. So I was up at the church, which our little church in Paradise um, did a fantastic job. The ladies at the UMW really stepped up for the community, feeding people, feeding workers that came in, feeding truckers, feeding they, they did a fantastic job. And I was up there one day 
and uh, helping. And lady said to me, well, I'd like to come. What can I help you with? And I said, well, I need to dust my house. Okay. I'm going to come help you dust your house. Well, <laughs> that kind of, you're like, well, I should be able to take care of my own house. But, and then I said, no, I don't I, really, I was just kind of being jokes. She said, no, you really need some help with that. And I said, yeah, the, the wind drew the, you know, blew the ashes through the storm seals and yeah, it's a big mess. And she said, and this is what's, what I think of when people in the grocery store, wherever we are, and they offer us something, I, she said, don't take that blessing from me. Let me be a blessing to you and help you. That mm. is a blessing I want to give. Don't take that from me. And I was like, yep. Because when we've helped, man, you feel great. Don't you? Right. Man, I went over there and helped them. And we, and that's what people want to do. And it's, but it's, it's hard. Don't take that blessing from me. I think that is absolutely the best takeaway message from this. I, I really want to do a big stump speech right now, and I don't think it's the right time, but I experienced the same exact thing with the Department of Ag in the state of Nebraska in 2019. They all talk about and give lip service to providing help and well-being and coordination. But at the end of the day, folks, it's individual citizens, friends and neighbors, no matter what state, what county they live in, that they want to be a blessing to somebody. And it's the people, not the government entities, that come to the aid of individuals to say, I'm going to be a part of the solution. And that is what makes America great. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Jolene. I look forward to my tr next Perfect. trip through Russell Camp County. And uh, we'll stop by in paradise at the Methodist Church and get a meal. Do it. Cause, we can't wait to see you. Because I know you won't be out of food. I saw the piles when I was there a month ago. <laughs> Once again, we just bring front and center the community aspect. When the, when the chips are down, the neighbors and the friends that we have in rural communities truly do come together. You know, I find it interesting that a month later, I have people from all over the country, and it happened this week in Sioux Falls at the South Dakota Pork Congress, people saying, Trent, you're the only one that talked about this fire. I wasn't the only one that talked about it from a media standpoint. There was very little media work done, so I'm just happy to contribute and be part of the solution, bringing awareness. We'll take a break. Marty is standing by. Can't get enough Marty Beard, right? More after this. Roll route. And now we talk about immune health. We talk about health in general. The world's authority on nitric oxide production, Dr. Nathan Bryan, explains. We've got about 14 COVID clinics around the U.S. where we have a, a nitric oxide drug trial going on. I'm exposed to COVID probably every day. You know, pre-COVID, we as humans are exposed to viruses and bacteria every day of our life. That's just the world we live in. Some people get sick, some people don't. Why do some people get sick and why do others not? It all boils down to their ability to generate nitric oxide and to have certain things replete in their body like vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, selenium. If you're nutrient deficient, you're going to get sick. If you can't make nitric oxide, you're going to get sick. If you do all these things, you can be exposed to, to COVID or any other virus, and your immune system nips it in the bud, and you don't get sick from it. It's really that simple. We're going to change this ordering process up to make it simpler. Go to loosetailsmedia.com. Loosetailsmedia.com. There will be an order mechanism. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Loose. I think the perfectly fitting way to close out this week is a little Marty Beard. You just can't get enough Marty Beard from Stewartsdale, North Dakota. And you know what as white as this landscape is in North Dakota is now? You know what that color has in common with what I was doing all weekend? Your purest snow. Is this where this is going? 
it's going to lard and tallow. <laughs> For some reason, now I have gotten several personal comments delivered to me on um, my thoughts and ideas on butter and lard and tallow. Yeah, and yeah. another word I'm going to bring up, but I'm going to spring that on you. But the landscape is white as um, pure beef tallow that I rendered four gallons down this weekend. Mm. Mm. You know, and I'm going to explain real quick, because I know we're on a time crunch, how you and everybody else can do this with the minimal of work and cleanup. Because when you're rendering yard lard and uh, suet down, um, it is very important to be have an easy cleanup. And uh, I use electric roasters. Now, you can get your suet, which is beef fat, ground at a butcher shop, if that's where you're going to get it. But um, I used my own, so I cut it up finely in the small pieces because I didn't want to mess my grinder up and have a whole greasy grinder. But I cut it up. Plus, I like cutting things up. I mean, it, it's a win-win. So I cut it up into smaller pieces, probably about the size of a dice, um, and uh, put them in there. And I leave that for anywhere between stirring it, about every two hours stirring it, um, for about 20 hours. And that way, you don't take the chance of, and, and I set the roaster on 175, mm -hmm. and you don't ever take the chance of burning your tallow, which, you, you know, you could still fry stuff in it, but you you basically, it's not as tasty. Right. Well, you're going to um, get that burned taste come through if you cook anything in it, if you've to scorched it while you're uh, rendering it. Yeah, yep. And, uh, and then I have an old-fashioned lard press, and a lot of people aren't going to know what that is, but you can use several things, but you want to put that, lard your, your cracklings or your your um rinds or whatever you want to call them through either a press to get the extra lard out mm -hmm. um and then i filter it now this is very important filtering it if you want to have a long lasting product that will uh really be an enjoyment to cook with and that is i use new dish towels cotton dish towels that um that we wash and uh we filter that through there and then i put it in jars and uh seal them up and we're ready to use it and what are you doing yep. with the cracklings well when i get done with them there isn't much of this beef because you know um there's no skin on them mm -hmm. you know yeah and uh, so I put them on top of my dog's food. No, oh, I think that's a really my good idea. Food. Yeah. That'd be a great boost of energy for them as well. Oh, it would be. As cold as it is, they need it. Yeah. But, you know, a doctor friend of mine, I used to shoot his horses 20-some years ago. Con, he, he heard the radio show, and he contacted me. I talked to him quite a bit. We're friends. And he's like, you know you're going to die. <laughs> and I'm like, you just get the the studies that i'm going to die from this the unbiased studies that that are not biased by the um 
the health department and, and USDA to go their own agenda to sell medicine and then come and talk to me. Well, I haven't heard from him back since that. So. Okay, there was a book written about um, Inuits, Canadian Inuits, right, who lived on seal yeah. fat. Did you ever read that book? No, I didn't, but I, I've studied Inuits, and, and they live on not only seal fat but whale fat, um, and they eat most of their meat raw right. and frozen. And they are the healthiest lifespan people on the planet. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose when, you know, the only sweets that you get is uh, blueberries once in a while, and mm -hmm. you don't get any processed, I can, I can guarantee this, any Inuit that is living a modern, in a, in a modern world with a modern diet, their health is greatly deteriorated. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, this is not just you and I talking about some book that was written about people. There, there's tremendous scientific fact behind this fat and the health properties. And, and I'm still telling you, I'm now convinced, I've, you know, I've been in this fat war for a long time, but I'm now convinced the fat war was a, put on us on purpose to minimize our ability for our body to fight off organisms, toxic organisms that needs to be fought off and not allow the immune system to function fully. It was all planned. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. But and and it's also another way to control um, uh, the supply and demand of beef and 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 control the the ranchers that are growing beef. I mean, look at what we've done to our animals um, to make them more saleable to the public by the FDA and USDA food standards. I mean. Come on, what the hogs used to look like uh, um, compared to what they are now because of, oh, we can't have all this fat. We can't have all this delicious, good tallow on cattle. I mean, you know, years ago, beef were in Texas before they started driving them north. They were basically killed for their hides and their tallow. Mm -hmm. And they shipped that beef tallow as a cooking um, uh uh, source all over the United States out of Texas because it kept. Yep. I just found a story about, um, Cochran, an Alaska native science commission promoting the research on native cultures and health and talking about the primary diet being that of what we mentioned. And it's the benefit of the fat that they get from the seals, the walrus, and uh, one other thing, marine mammals that live in cold water and have obese amounts of fat use it for cooking and dipping foods, and then they dip their moose and their caribou and their reindeer in the seal fat and live healthy. And what uh, their the diets weren't screwed up until they went on some government program. This is great stuff that people, if you really want to research the benefit of fat and nutrition and healthy living, go study the Inuits. And by the way, vitamin D is a, a direct result of that type of diet as well. And we all know people are short on vitamin D in today's world, particularly as it feeds the immune system. Now, right. this is, this is going to be a easy to remember for everybody. Okay, leaf lard comes mm -hmm. from hogs inside there by their organs and their kidneys mm -hmm. and and suet is what is in a beef 
mm-hmm. or a lamb or a sheep. Mm-hmm. Here is the question for you and your listeners. What is bird fat called? Now, it can either be from chickens or I prefer ducks or geese. I love my Aunt Gladys always cooked fried potatoes in goose grease. And uh, I loved it. But what, what is what is bird fat called when you cook with it? Um, I don't know, but you're not correcting me on bird fat. So what are you? Where are you correcting me before we answer that question? You 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 said that the beef the the fat in a beef was called um, leaf lard, but it's called suet beef suet. Oh, oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, I'm good. A with ruminant. That. Yeah, okay. You'll take that. I'll take that. So goose fat is called uh, gander. I don't know. <laughs> bird fat, either from chickens or. Uh, or ducks or geese is called schmaltz. I did not know that. Well, now you do. Schmaltz with a schmaltz. T. Small. Well, there's a T in there, but I'm thinking that they, the way I have always heard it um, pronounced, was without the T. Schmaltz. Um, but you know the way that we had chickens back when Grandma cooked them at at noon on a Sunday when it was a, a delicacy and a luxury. There wasn't a lot of schmaltz in there. We didn't feed them like we do today. Well, I think they had to rummage their own grub. You know, I mean, they were running around the yard yeah, getting grasshoppers, and um. But my aunt Gladys, you know, that's where I got all the ideas uh, that I've got from, and and how to do stuff, canning meat and and rendering fat. She raised a lot of geese, and um in her day and they that she kept all the fat for that and mm. and whenever then when i started raising geese she got all happy because now she could have goose fat again and i'm like well, what do you what are we going to do with that and she's like i'll show you and oh my gosh it is well it's i can't think of any other word but delicious i love goose fat duck fat the same uh, I, I'm going to go out there on a limb, and I'm going to piss some beef uh, ranchers off and say I would prefer goose fat to beef tallow, and I love beef tallow. So the goose must be extremely efficient at converting foodstuffs into protein and or fat, or they would not. Because I've known as long as I've been alive, he's, he's goose fat. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, I don't see how they are so efficient, because if you feed a goose five pounds of feed, mm-hmm. it produces ten pounds of goose manure that it spreads all over your entire yard. Mm-hmm. I've never seen an animal that, I mean, I'm like, how much do you eat, and and that much comes out of you, and there's, and they will spread it evenly over your entire place. They'll come up on your steps. And uh, go there. I mean, it's they're little. Oh, they they're bad for that. Yeah, I'm looking up the complete guide, nutritional guide to goose fat. It's arguably this is according to Michael Joseph, who wrote this on April 30th, 2019. Arguably, goose fat is the best tasting fat in the world, and it has an interesting nutrition profile too. I mean, you can't get this kind of good radio material anywhere else. (laughs) 
wait till you hear my next idea. Yeah, well, your next idea is going to have to wait until next week or the next time we have a conversation in public. That's Marty Beard from Stewartsdale, North Dakota. Thanks to all the guests today. It's been just a little harem scarum this week. Fantastic trip to South Dakota and the South Dakota Port Congress. Loose Tales, uh, let's see, Loose Tales had some problems today. Mysteriously, an audio folder went missing. Never had that happen before in 22 years. But loosetalesmedia.com is the place that you want to go to get more details about everything I'm working on. Loosetalesmedia.com. Stay abreast of those issues and go get your caps, your mugs. Stay tuned. Patriots.us. Patriots.us is what you're going to want to know about. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. I remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route.